What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Jesse Strauss. In 2022, U.S. police murdered 1,096 people. According to the Washington Post, this year, law enforcement has killed 432 folks. That's an increase of 16 people since our last roundup. And we don't even know most of their names. There were no marches, rallies, rebellions, or hashtags for them. Most of their families grieve in silence and solitude. It's critical to understand that police killings are just the tip of an egregious iceberg of transgressions against our communities. Law enforcement serves as a militarized occupying army in our communities and neighborhoods. They racially profile, sexually assault, and put our folks in cages. If we don't know what's happening, then we can't fight back. We can't adequately organize a response. So every week on Law & Disorder, we kick off our Thursdays with a roundup of news related to state violence. We hope this segment serves to expose, agitate, and build. This is the State Terror Roundup for the week of June 5th, 2023. We start off the roundup with some tragic stories that remind us that police are not equipped to respond to mental health emergencies. On Saturday in Eldersburg, Maryland, a man who called a crisis hotline to get support because he wanted to end his own life was fatally shot by a state trooper. From information available publicly, this man had called for support, had told the person on the other end of the line that he was intoxicated and said that he was in possession of a gun. This call was transferred to be dealt with not only by Maryland State Police Troopers, but eventually by a fully militarized SWAT team who barricaded the man inside his own house and tried to do some type of negotiation through a loudspeaker system from 9 p.m. until 7 a.m. the following morning. That's 10 hours of overnight loudspeaker negotiations. When the man came to the front door holding an object that cops imagined to be a gun, one trooper opened fire, killing the man. Now, I'm not sure what you imagine when you imagine the services provided by a suicide prevention line, but this is not what comes to my mind. No suicide took place that day in Florida. Apparently, one way police make sure people don't end their own life is to beat them to the punch. Source, WBAL-TV. Earlier that same day, this time in Ocala, Florida, a mother called police worried about her son's suicidal threats. She told 911 dispatchers where her son was and gave them a description of what he was wearing. Officers found him sitting in his car in a Home Depot parking lot. Officers approached the man supposedly trying to de-escalate the situation. As it happened, as it often does, police did the opposite. They escalated the situation to a point where the man fired a gun in their direction. Officers fired back and killed him. Source, Florida's WESH2. Our hearts go out to people who are desperate for resources for themselves or their loved ones and feel that they have no one to call but the police. In these two cases just this week, it was police who ended the lives of two people seeking resources for suicidal thoughts, where their lives were ended by police bullets. It turns out that if we cut social spending left and right and allow police budgets to grow, as are the cases in the current mayoral budget proposals in both San Francisco and Oakland right now, that people tend to think of police as the resource to call simply because, well, there are not other options that are well-resourced and available. Moving on. Early on Sunday morning, a Philadelphia version of what we would here in the Bay Area called a sideshow turned deadly after police attempted to end the stunt driving party on 
Philadelphia's Interstate 95 Highway. Police say that a car was driving in their direction, and so they reacted by shooting the driver through the windshield. Video shows 18-year-old Anthony Allegrini Jr. still alive, bleeding out on the side of the highway next to a car. The details of what transpired are unclear, but Allegrini's friends have told the media that he was a spectator at the event and not attempting to hit officers. After the killing by police, Philadelphia's mayor was quoted as saying, in reference to the sideshow, that, quote, This type of reckless and aggressive behavior cannot and will not be tolerated. Dangerous actions like these put everyone at risk, especially our officers who work hard to keep our residents safe. The irony of the mayor's statement here is that while of course a sideshow isn't the safest activity, it seems clear that shooting someone through a windshield, killing them, became the most dangerous thing that actually happened that night. While details of the incident are slow to be released, what we do know is that no one had been shot prior to the police showing up and a young man was killed after they did. Source, Philadelphia's NPR affiliate, WHYY. A new report has been released by federal inspectors who made an unannounced visit last year to an immigration detention center in Tacoma, Washington, suggesting that immigration and customs enforcement is wasting taxpayer dollars. Surprise. While ICE is entirely a waste of taxpayer money, this report in particular says that the agency paid more than $40 million to the detention center's for-profit operator called the GEO Group for unused bed space during the fiscal year of 2022. Again, that's $40 million for empty immigration imprisonment cells. That number comes from the contract between ICE and GEO Group that pays the private company to take care of facilities imprisoning a guaranteed minimum of 1,181 detainees. The facility maintained just 31% of that population on average between October 2021 and August 2022, according to the report, leaving about 69% of the rooms in that space empty. This is a common example of how funds are used by the prison industrial complex in contracts with private contractors where these contractors will only agree to their role with minimum guarantees. It gives specific financial incentive to imprisonment agencies like ICE, in this case, to incarcerate more people. If there were any reason to incarcerate more people, financial incentives are not it. Let's be careful, though. A $40 million waste of federal immigration detention funds paid for empty facilities is better than filling up those cells and paying for them. We note that in addition to the well-funded empty detention cells, the federal report on the Washington detention facility also found shortcomings that are detrimental to the people that are caged there. We're reminded that cages built for humans are detrimental in and of themselves, no matter what, and that $40 million of wasted money may be just a drop in the bucket of the ICE budget. But imagine the value that those dollars could do in our communities. How much social services could thrive from an additional $40 million of funding? Source, the News Tribune. And Palestinian administrative detainees in Israeli occupation prisons are planning a mass hunger strike starting on June 18th in protest of Israel's policy of administrative detention. According to the Palestinian Prisoner Society, the primary demand of the planned hunger strike is to bring an end to Israel's administrative detention policy and for the Zionist state to respect its obligations under international humanitarian and human rights law. Israel's detention policy that these folks are protesting specifically allows Palestinians to be imprisoned indefinitely and without charges. 
As of April this year, the number of Palestinian administrative detainees has reached 1,083. We hope for no more Palestinian prisoner deaths and that an end to indefinite detention is just one step toward the end of the occupation. Source, the Kuds News Network. This has been the State Terror Roundup for the week of June 5th, 2023. State Terror Roundup soundtrack provided by Coffee Brown, an Oakland-based musician, singer, and songwriter who has been a force in the Bay Area's hip-hop and soul scene since the early 90s. You can check her out at kofybrown.com, and her website and socials are linked from our website. That's kpfa.org. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>